Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. This week, we are taking a deeper dive into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we are continuing to roll out the new mission tag of CCUPC, that is expanding Christ's community through worship, discipleship, and relationship. 1 Corinthians 12 is a passage about all the different parts of the uh, the body of Christ, how there is a diversity in the unity, uh, although it really harps on the unity. I touched on a number of different points, Pastor Dina, a uh, lot of different ways that we can go on this. What were some of the things that really stuck out to you? What were some of the highlights that you thought were important and we need to hear or some, some continuing thoughts from, from that passage? You know, for for such a familiar passage that we often just read to to feel good, or we read it at times where we're commissioning people, um, it's a it's a it's a good passage, but it's it's actually much harder to live out than I think we give it mm. credit for. As we think about the envy that can consume the body of Christ, and the and the divisions and the factions, and the gossip and the biting and you know, my job's more important. My job's more important. My, I need these resources. I need these resources. You can't have them. Um, what I, uh, you know, what I'm doing should take priority, you know, and that, that's a, that's a hierarchy that we don't see as much in the physical body. Mm. Um, because if the, you know, if the lungs stop working, the heart's stopping working too. Right. Um, you know, if the if the neurological system shuts down, you've got much bigger problems than just the neurological function. Um, and yet, as we think about individual churches and individual organizations and the the wider church, that's that's so much the way we operate that mm. you know what what we're doing is the most important. We're better at this than you are. And even, you know, don't steal this from us. You can't have our idea. You know, it's like right back to elementary school. That was my idea first, kind of. I'm laughing here because, um, you know, as you're, because I kind of talked about that a little bit in the sermon. As I'm thinking about it, as you're saying it, I have this picture of, of a patient on the table where, you know, someone is saying, his his neurological system has su- shut down but look at those biceps yeah, you know, yeah. No, no one pays attention to that in that moment like if something is shutting down if something is non-functional the 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 triage priority is on that thing yeah it's not on the you know look at yeah yeah but you know the eyes are still great so perfect um and we talked last week about perceptions of the church from the outside world of of hypocrisy of mm. um of those you know factions and biting and devouring and of the the negative perception of the church and you don't have to go far to hear it you don't have to read many things on the internet to hear it that the church is not enjoying a real positive pr image right now and these this disagreement this this struggle for what resources are available and by resources you know time people money publicity priority all those things i think i mean i think that's only 
adding to that perception of, I don't need to be involved in an organization like that. I don't need to be involved in an organization that, that, that slams the church down the street because they do things differently that, um, you had used the, the phrase or, or had posed the question, do we really view Christian brothers and sisters as all working towards the same goal, mm. even if we're different different denominations, yeah. even if we're th- different theological perspectives, even if we have different ways of carrying it out. And I think I think that's a hard thing to keep our eye on because there's so many forces trying to tell us, no, you have to be better. Win them over to your church. Win them over to your ministry. When you know be the one that that everyone flocks to don't worry about that over there um instead of assuming there's a place for everyone and there are different things that appeal to everyone in different ways that people connect at different times in their lives different needs different um priorities and yet you know we you had brought up we this was week we kind of focused on our relationships with other churches with other Christians outside of our immediate mm-hmm. Christian body. But I don't think it can go unsaid that if, if our own body is dealing with factions and divisions and struggles over resources, we can't even begin to think about our relationship with the community being any better than that until we resolve it for ourselves. Uh, that's yeah. I think you make a good point there. And, and certainly that's part of the reason why, you know, the, we've built the series the way it is talking about our internal relationships first and then talking about our relationships within within Christianity and then what it will eventually build to is relationships outside of the church because if we don't have good relationships within the church there's no hope to have any good relationships with Mm non-Christians um and so you know we want to be able to live out our our faith and to be able to live out that redeemed lifestyle with other believers and if we can't do it in the best of circumstances which is which is we believe the same thing we are striving for the same thing then how are we going to do that in front of people who are striving for something entirely different um yeah i think about it and i think i made mention of this in the children's time a couple weeks ago it's kind of like going out on a double date with a couple who's having an argument and it, it's <laughs> awkward and you you know you can't have that fellowship together because it's so stressed between them and I think you know certainly not a perfect analogy but I think that's true the church too how in the world are we ever going to have a good relationship outside of believers outside of Christianity if we can't even get it together ourselves yeah and, and of course the point I made in the in the sermon is the fact that first Corinthians 12 is is not directly addressed to relationships between churches that's an extrapolation because it it, it didn't exist in that well the, some of those dynamics existed you can see some of them in the other letters of Paul I'm not going to get into that but but first Corinthians 12 was written to address the problem of factions within the Corinthian church mm-hmm. there was definitely some elitism um, definitely some um (laughs) there was some massive elitism that was going on to the point of of people who were um 
people who are getting drunk on the communion on the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. before other people even had a chance to have to anything. Add, yeah. And so there was there were some major issues going on with the Corinthian church. And so you had this elitism that was coming in and saying, well, my gifts are better. Exactly what you're saying. Um, that when churches get together, we, well, well, my gift is better. No, my gift is better. No, I'm, I'm a bigger church. Well, we're a friendlier church. Mm-hmm. Well, we're a, we're a biblier church. Yeah. Meanwhile, people who do not have a faith background are walking away saying, no, thank you. If, I'll leave you to your arguments. Thanks. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, but if this is what you talk about, count me out. Mm-hmm. Like I'd, I'd rather have a mimosa and a lounge chair on Sunday morning. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's part of I th- what I think we need to, to recognize. We were talking about uh, the, the Barna mm-hmm. uh, research again, um, because uh, I, I'd love for, for, anyone to go and to barna.com it's about the fourth uh, article now it's it's entitled openness to jesus isn't the problem the church is and down um about two-thirds of the way on the page is some are some very very um condemning yeah um statistics uh, you know in all the churches that i've worked with uh working on the regional body dealing with churches in transition dealing with churches in conflict um dealing with churches who, you know, need a new pastor and whatnot, you know, the, the common refrain is that, you know, we want to be a church that's friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's very interesting is that when you look at the statistics that, that Barna has teased out, you know, only 43% of Christians find the church friendly. Mm-hmm. Only 43% of Christians find the church friendly. Yeah. Only 21% of non-Christians find the church friendly. So if we're aiming at friendly and we're missing that badly, maybe we shouldn't be aiming at friendly. Yeah. And I think partly because we have tried to reduce these things that we want to be to programs, to Mm. elements in our worship service. Well, we have a greeting time, so how can we not be friendly? We have cookies after worship. How, you know, who could say we're not friendly? (laughs) And yet, as we we're working some of these things out. I used the example of, of being invited, you know, say you're invited to two different parties. You can tell whether the hosts of those parties really want you there. You've gotten an invitation to both of them. The The time has been set. The, the, the door has been opened to you, but, but you can tell when someone really wants you in their presence, wants <laughs> you in their home, wants to share their life with you and it has nothing to do with the quality of the food or you know how pinteresty they got in their decorations <laughs> it has everything to do with the spirit in which you're welcomed in and and i think i bring that up because one we're we're missing the mark on on friendly and welcoming and hospitality but you know that says so much about the spirit of the way we interact with other people, with other churches, with other Christians, with, with other, you know, and, and more broadly with other teams, with other people. I mean, I, we'd been talking a bit this week about worship planning and, and liturgy, liturgy, and sometimes we're able to find and write prayers of confession and calls to worship and and such that fit so well. And I think this past week, the, the, Called a, or the prayer of confession that I found, I loved the phrase in it. 
that that asked us to consider are we approaching things with clenched fists or open hands and that does speak to our our posture our our attitude of the way we welcome people in of the way we we look out and we can say all we want with our our mouths but but what's our posture towards other Christians towards other ministries even within our own churches um, and then within our community and within the world as well. It reminds me, uh, so a little si- side story here. Um, I grew up in Newcastle, PA. Uh, part of my family owned a farm. I remember when my uh, Aunt Gertrude died and we had to go through the the family farmhouse. And I remember when my grandmother died and we had to go through her house. Um, and, and they lived through the Great Depression. So they, they lived in an era of, of true scarcity. Yeah. You know, things were being rationed. And so uh, I would find, you know, like rubber bands yeah. that were ancient. I mean, these things were ancient. They shatter apart when you touch them. Yes. And that's exactly the point is that, you know, a rubber band, you can keep it around, but as soon as it loses its elasticity, it can't do anything. Yeah. And and when you try to pull it, it breaks. It it just it grinds into this powder that oh my gosh, I have to wash my hands. I <laughs> yeah. I, I still remember the you feeling can still of that. Feel it and smell yeah. it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, I can. Um and so there would be these old things and and not everything. I still have my um grandmother's uh piece of furniture. It's a secretary from mm-hmm. I, I think I have a photo of it from 1938 or something. And it's in my basement. It needs to be refinished and and yeah, I'll refinish it. But it it hasn't lost its value over time but the, but things like those um things like those rubber bands and, and i i bring that to a point because the church is kind of like that too there's an elasticity we call it grace mm-hmm. that we are to have and if we lose that elasticity in our relationships that allows us to move and shift and 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 have errors and bump into each other while remaining centered on Christ if we lose that we do become very brittle and we shatter very, very easily. And I think there's a fair amount of that going on too. The other, the other thing that can happen in this imagery is if, if a rubber band is too small and you're trying to put it around something too large, it simply doesn't have the give. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have the elasticity to actually get around. And so we can be, we can be so, so internally focused that we actually can't incorporate anything new into into our fellowship and and i think that's uh, one of those two is is one of those two is what happens with churches and and we end up either becoming so insular that nothing else can get in or we just shatter at someone trying to move you know trying to expand us at all yeah someone trying to move the communion table or you know shift where the the pulpit is or something and we just yeah, and I wonder if if some of that is related to at least that that at least on some level we're still so concerned with what we produce, what we do, the ministries that we mm. have and carry on and and we think that that's the ticket and not the grace of God. When we can properly think about the grace of of God through Jesus being what carries the church then then it doesn't matter if the youth group is succeeding or failing. It doesn't matter if we have 700 people in worship or seven. 
if it, it, you know, it, it doesn't matter if we have the biggest, nicest building. It's the grace of God that, that is going to carry us through no matter. And, and we talked about f- form a couple weeks ago too, that, that the form of church is changing. And, and if our focus is on the grace of God, then that's not going to shake us up the way it so often does. And I say that knowing that I, I mean, as a, as an employee of the church, I of course have a vested interest in its financial health, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as, yeah. as someone who loves the church and loves the church that I grew up in, of course I want it to have thriving ministries for me to feel connected and growing and for my kids to feel connected and growing. And so I'm not saying we should just say, eh, Jesus will take care of it. it uh, you know, it doesn't matter what we do again back to to our romans discussion like Mm. eh, grace is fine just keep going on sinning but it's got to be a balance where we keep the right thing as our focus and and can can let go a bit more of the the territorial kind of perspective and and remember that that we are all working towards the same goal that my church and the church across the street and the church down the street and the church up the street we are working towards the same goal and if if someone is coming here and not there and they're not here and bounce back and forth like that shouldn't cause me undue angst because we're working towards the same goal yeah yeah i want to back up to your comment about productivity Mm -hmm. um very interesting thought in that uh, that you're bringing up because if we are so concerned about productivity like what our output is as a church that to me raises the question of what we're, where we are lodging our identity and what we actually have as values. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, you know, Jesus didn't say they will know, they will know that, that you, uh, that you're Christians by, by your output. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll know, um, they'll know me by the way that you are able to manufacture um, programs and, and put on programs or attract the largest crowd, but but they'll know you by your love. Yeah. And that's a totally, that's not, that's not an output. That's not a quantifiable product, but we are such a consumeristic, I mean, that just, that's just kind of our atmosphere that we are a, a a people who produce things and the value that's attached to those production is how much people will pay for it, how much people will come for it and so on and so forth. And so that's, it's such a, I mean, love is not a, it's not a commodity. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as soon as you commodify it, it's not love anymore. Yeah. It, it's, it's transactional. It's transactional. What can you, you know, now that I've, I've provided you with all the programs that you want, with the exact setup that you want, the level of comfort that you want, now what are you going to provide for the church? Now you better step up and, and serve the church. Now you better put a big check in the offering plate because we've given you what you want, and now you have to give us what we want. Well, and ultimately, if, if you are paying to find some sort of validation, that is going to come back empty. Mm-hmm. That's going to come back empty all day long it might satisfy for a while but eventually it's just going to turn into man is this all there is yeah it it, to reduce it to an after school special you know it reminds me of like you know a middle school couple where it's just constant gifts back and forth to prove love without any actual substance Mm. and at some point the jewelry tarnishes and the 
flowers die and the balloons go away. So what, what's left? What's the foundation? And maybe, maybe to some degree, the church is kind of experiencing that, that the wider church, like we've had these programs and now people aren't participating in them. Like what, what is the foundation? What Mm. is, what is undergirding the whole thing as we move from the church that we knew and maybe even the church that you and I grew up in to what, what this new church will be. And, and I don't, I mean, it's not just the last five years. I mean, this has been a a 50 year conversation. Correct. Um, It just seems that now it's, it's coming to a critical point and we can't just keep programming our way out of things or building better, bigger things or um, (laughs) the, the, the field of dreams era of the church. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now, if you build it, you're, you're, they still won't come and then you're left with a giant mortgage yeah, and no one to pay it. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and that gets back to this question of identity. If, if we're, if we're, if, if we're lodging our identity in those things and trying to find our value by what we produce or by our church size or our church programming attendance or by, you know, what we talked about last week, which were the attendance buildings and contributions, the ABCs, Mm -hmm. you know, that's going to leave us feeling empty ultimately. Um, I don't deny that it will, it could satisfy in the short run if that's what you're striving for, Yeah. but it will ultimately come up empty and we are not called to find our identity in those things. Right. Because then as soon as those things no longer serve our needs, your kids graduate from the youth program or you're, you know, you no longer need a great nursery or you no longer connect with this kind of music, then again, what, you know, you're not, you're left with nothing. And and we're, we're called to find our identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that, you know, these, these, uh, springs of living water that Christ can provide that, that, that provide rest for our souls, that provide uh, satiation for our hunger. Uh, what Psalm 23 talks about, what David talks about, you know, you lead me beside still waters, you you, you restore my soul. Um, and, and we forget that that's actually, you know, Psalm 23 gets read at funerals, but really it's to be a vision for the provision of God in our everyday lives, mm-hmm. that God, even though, you know, I don't know where to go. You're going to provide for me. Even though there are enemies trying to attack attack me, you are going to provide for me as long, even though there is death all around me and that there are, you know, people against me, you're going to provide in the midst of that. And you're just going to keep pouring the cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be okay. Not because you're making all those things go away. But, but because be- you're with me in the, in the midst of it. Yeah, exactly. And so we have, I think that tells us that perhaps we have lost our identity as Christians. We've, we've become too accustomed to saying, well, we are this, this church, that we forget to say that we, that church over there, and us, and the other one, we are all the church. Yeah, I, as, we, as we think about our identity in Christ, you had made the comment on Sunday during the sermon that the splitter, you know, the the forces of evil, the devil devil are trying to get us to be divided. And, and in that way, we look so much like the world (laughs) because, you know, we're both in the midst of, 
of youth sports, but you know, join this swim team, not that swim team. Join this football team, not that football team. Join this civic club and not that one. This is the group. This is the better group. They're not doing as well as much. They don't have as much money. Your kid isn't going to get as many opportunities or as many skills. Like we look just like the world come come here and not and and the subtext of that is and not there um and and again it it it's based in this idea that there might not be enough to go around and, and that's and i think that's a, a product of our circumstance i mean we know mm-hmm. that church attendance is declining we yeah. know that the church has been in decline for some time not all churches but but broadly the church has been in decline. So we feel like it is a scarcity mindset. Like we better get the goods while there there are goods to be got. And I think, and I can't remember exactly the study that even churches that are growing in membership are not necessarily growing by people being attracted to the faith. They're growing as people shift and move around. Yeah. That it's not the shifting of the sheep. Yeah. It's not, um, it's not that the, the church, Universal is growing. Correct, correct. Yeah, that's it, it, and that's the thing. We're 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 competing. We're not even competing for for non Christians. We're not even competing for people to come to the faith. We're just competing for someone to come here. Yeah, wherever the here is, and it's it, it has. I mean, my goodness. Uh, you know, Lewis was right in Screw Tape Letters. Why why make us murderers when we can make us infighters and yeah. And, and bitter and jealous and envious um, and and anxious in our own skin. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what we are. We're a, we're a middle school teen with no one to say, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that creates a whole host of problems. Um, and sorry for bringing up middle school again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, do we ever grow up past middle school? I'm thinking no. No, we, we, we carry a lot of the, that anxiety and that fear with us. And, yeah. and a, I would venture to say that there, a fair amount of, of church envy has a lot to do with the lack of emotional maturity within the church. Yeah. And again, unless we can s- start growing up within the church we're never going to be able to have relationships with outside the church. And I know we said it before, but you know, it's the, it's this, the same kind of thing when we talk about friendships and romantic relationships. Like if, if, if you're not mature yourself, you can't ever possibly hope to have a mature relationship that, you know, if you can't endure difficulties and, and, stressors yourself then then you're not getting anytime you're in a relationship and these stressors come it's going to blow it up and um i think you know that's that's something we have to to reckon with and and as we as we think about what it means to expand christ's community you know in our church i don't as we talked about this mission statement i don't know we weren't super specific but but notice it doesn't say expand ccupc's community it says expand christ's community and so i think we have to pay attention to that 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 as we work to expand the community that that maybe sometimes it looks like saying you know 
maybe this isn't the the particular congregation for you, but this church up the street has this great ministry that I yeah. think you'd really connect with, you know. Um, and that takes a lot of that takes a lot of emotional maturity. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard because inherent in that is that what am I doing wrong? It, it's that feeling of rede- rejection. It's like again, like am I not enough? Or and and I think you know that's as a as individual people and as a church too. You know what did and we do this every time, at least I do this every time a family leaves. Um, what did we do wrong? How did we mess that up? Could I have done something different? Should I have called more often? Should I have done this different thing? And it, it can run us through the ringer as we we put it on ourselves instead of saying, okay, their you know their journey with this congregation at least for now is done. But look at them growing over here. Um, and that's not to say that introspection isn't good. We yeah. we should have some introspection about it. But it doesn't mean that that the world centers around us. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, and I think that's the most important part. Knowing that, of course, there are things that I, as an individual, and we as a as a church, could do differently. And yet, it's not just all about me. It's about the way the Spirit mm. is leading me, and also the way the Spirit is leading other people. Yeah, because this we can't be all things to all people. If if we're wanting to do that, we're wanting to be God. Yeah. That only God can be all things to all people. And so we have to remember that we are finite and limited and part of that is going to mean um at least this side of glory, it's going to mean some partings. And that might actually be a spiritually healthy thing. If you are going to grow better over there, then then it would be selfish of me to keep you here just so that I can I can feel like we have done something right mm-hmm. to, to hold you back in your spiritual health. Um, and so we want to make sure that we have emotional maturity and recognize that there are different gifts within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. We live in a finite world, but we serve an infinite God. And we need to not confuse the two of those and yeah. and, and make ourselves God and, and make make God finite, God's resources finite or, or limited based on simply what we see. Well, oh, this is all the building and, and contributions and people that I have to work with. So uh, no, no, we serve a God that is abundance and lavish in grace. Yeah. So, so let's work out of that. <laughs> let's work out of that reserve rather than working out of our own, our own um, resources. Yeah. Yeah. And again, just to echo, like it's, this is super hard to do. It's not, it's not easy to admit that you can't be all things to all people. I mean, people pleasers unite, you know, um, <laughs> it, it, for, for many people it is their natural inclination to think, well, you know, we can be this because this is what these people want. And we can be this because this is what these people want. And we need to provide this because this is what these people want and um and it is painful to say we can't meet this need or this is not who we are um you know we (laughs) go ahead (laughs) i was just thinking then we end up being cheesecake factory with a menu eight pages long but we're not really spectacular at any one of them right i mean the cheesecake is pretty good 
But, okay, yeah, but um, still, yeah. Uh, you look <laughs> yeah. at it. it, it but th- really, that's Cheesecake's model, uh, Cheesecake's Factory's <laughs> model. You have a group of 30, great, bring them on in. We have an eight-page menu. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not spectacular at one thing, but we will make sure that everyone in your group has something. Yeah. Now, when I want to go out for eat to eat, I don't think Cheesecake Factory. No. I, I think, you know, I think the specialty places that, man, I'm going to get a bang up meal and it's going to be delicious. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, church tries to make itself Cheesecake Factory and it becomes a race to the bottom. Yeah. And and like I said, there there is pain in saying, you know, maybe this is as far as you can journey with If If this is what you need from a, a church community, this is as far as we can walk together. Um but I think the pain of that is lessened when we view other churches as our allies, as our as co-laborers for Christ. It it's it's much less painful to say we can't do that for you. But I know you know I know of people who can. I know of a church that can. Then then to to have that that kind of conversation end in brokenness and and resentment of where someone else goes yeah. or, or connects. And possibly someone walking away from the church instead of walking to another church. Yeah. That can that can better better help them grow in Christ. Yeah. Um you know, one thing that hit the the cutting room floor that I want to mention here is the fact that, you know, Paul talks about spiritual gifts. And one of the things that I didn't talk about is the fact that that we oftentimes read our own understanding of gifts into what Paul says. So we look at that and we're like, oh, spiritual gifts. What what spiritual gifts do I have? Well, I have the gift of like, I, you know, I have the gift of administration or I have the gift of mm-hmm. like being able to do crafts with kids and, yeah. and so on and so forth. And, and that's not to downplay those things, but that's not what Paul is talking about. So it's, it's not to degrade that. It's just saying that it's a category mistake. Paul here is really talking about gifts that build up the body of Christ. And so he is talking about the gift of teaching. He's talking about the gift of preaching. He's talking about being able to um, call out the sin of the community. That is a real gift. Yeah. Um, To do it in a way that doesn't make everyone want to just... Leave. Leave. Yeah. Um, The gift of hospitality, and even that, you know, we have to define a little bit. That's not being able to arrange a cookie plate. Yeah. That is, like you talked about earlier, being able to make people feel welcome wherever they are when they're walking into your area or you're walking into theirs. Yeah, or their lives. I mean, I think, to me, I've always thought of, of course, hospitality has to do with with our homes and our, our places, but I think... Think we can be hospitable with our lives too yeah absolutely absolutely or the gift of um healing and and you know that all the presbyterians listening are going oh wait yeah. no 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 yeah. we don't do those things but you know spiritual healing emotional healing um yeah healing that doesn't necessarily make it better but but brings some sort of peace in the midst of it well in yes and we don't have to be laying our hands on uh, someone's broken arm and, you know, and then we're talking about, you know, people are spiritually and emotionally, mentally wounded out there and people within the church mm-hmm. and people who have been in the church are spiritually, mentally, emotionally wounded. And it is a gift when you encounter someone who is able to apply the grace of Christ to those areas of people's lives and make them experience a wholeness 
that they have not been able to to experience previously. Yeah. And so when we talk about gifts, we, we, we're not talking about, you know, congratulations, you are the CEO of a company, so you bring management skills, or you're the CFO of a company, so you bring financial skills. Churches so often look for those skills and put them into the rubric of of 1 Corinthians 12, and that's not what Paul is going for. It doesn't downplay those, once again. Yeah. I'm not making a judgment on that, on, on those skills. What I'm saying is they are outside of what Paul's talking about, and we need to make sure that we are cultivating those skills and understanding, you know, um, okay, we are the church that can really explain the scriptures and help you apply them to life. Or, you know, we are the church next door is, they, you know, if you are wounded— they're the I know no better healing healer than if you go over here, they will point you to the healing of Christ. Mm-hmm. And again, I think we can look at this as, as church bodies and, and individual congregations and individual denominations and, and that sort of thing. But also as, as individuals, there's nothing wrong with saying, I can't help you with this, but you know what? I, you know, I have a friend over here who's going to be really great at walking you through this that's one of my greatest joys as a pastor being able to connect people um, to say like, Oh, you're going through this. You know what? I know this person over here who went through this about 15 years ago and with their permission, I'd love to connect you. And I bet that they're going to be able to, to guide you through this in a way that, that I can't cause I haven't ex- experienced it. Um, th- to me, that's, that's the, the beauty of, of this passage that, that, you know, I'm only an eye, so I'm not a hand. So let me introduce you to the hand mm. and, you know, let me, let me direct you in this way. Let and then me hand you off. Sorry. I had to get a pun <laughs> in there. I mean, it is vacation Bible school week. We have been knee deep in puns all week. Oh week. man. Um, the, the punishment is horrible. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, introduced to the hand. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, and then, and then when you're done when you know when that part is no longer your your chief need and concern then then come over here to this part and 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 it it can be a give and take relationship and and i think then it does it takes it when we view it more in that way it takes it less out of us it makes it less of a scarcity model and more of a grace abundant grace model and it and it takes some of the threat of failure the threat of not having enough the um the feeling of of i have to keep all these things because if i share them there might then i might fail or i might Mm. not um be able to do what i want to do or 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 am called to do I don't know. That was a lot of words. I'm not sure if it made sense, but <laughs> again, vacation Bible school <laughs> week, it may not make sense. Yeah. Um, it has been a week. Yeah. A great week, but whoo. Yeah. And, and the, what I was talked about last week, I want to come back to is what a different and compelling vision of the church, you know, when it comes to a church that I want to be a part of one that is willing to, um, talk frankly about its strengths and its weaknesses one that is not um that doesn't have its ego injured because it's not the one to help but it it 
graciously knows where to find help mm-hmm. and not just tells you but walks you over to it and 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 earnestly desires the health of every person that comes to it whether it can help it itself or whether it's it's passing it on to someone else i mean that's a compelling vision of the church that i think christ came and died to create yeah yeah and a vision a vision that requires each each of us and each church to be secure in our relationship and in our identity with Christ or or we're never going to get there i it will fall apart we it i can only i can only illuminate the gifts of others if i'm sure of of my gifts i can only illuminate the grace that others can provide through Christ if i know that i can i can provide grace through through Christ in different ways too and and be sure that that and that that's not coming from me that you know it's only by the grace of the 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 of christ and through the power of the holy spirit as we have talked to churches that are trying to find their way as i have talked to churches that are trying to find their way churches that are trying are asking what's next and how can we continue on because one of the deep-seated fears in any church is uh, I don't want to be the elder that turns the light off and locks mm-hmm. the doors for the final time. Uh, I actually had someone say to me once, I didn't want my name on the closing. Yeah. Um, as, as churches have those fears, it's important to remember that, that consultants, people who have been through this um, and the research all bear out that, that survival is not a vision for for living Sur- a, a vision that includes mere survival is a vision of death and and probably a a bad death yeah i can't remember if it was on the podcast or in a different conversation but our our lowest goal can't just be to not die because at that point we're just draining resources and there won't be enough. Like at some point there, mm-hmm. if if our only goal is to not die, at some point there won't be enough. And I, and I do think we're going to be called to give an account for how yes. we've used the resources. Mm-hmm. You know, is is a church going to shutter its doors with three million still in an endowment? And what, what happens to that? Where's the, the glory to God in that? Where is the, the glory to the people who gave faithfully to build that up? Um, and uh, so that, that leads to questions of how, how are we going to conduct ourselves today within, within our individual lives, within our, our organization and within the, the community of organizations so that that's not us, so that just not dying is not the goal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and those are matters of integrity mm-hmm. and those are matters of honesty um, you can still have integrity if you're absolutely deluded that that you're you're taking the the correct stance. But at the end of the day, it may be an ad, an an issue of honesty with the reality of of any given situation. Um, the people that I have watched, and this is probably true for for you as well, the people that I have watched die well are the ones who are honest about their situation and were willing to let go of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to bless their family as they went 
as opposed to the people who clung doggedly and it was just painful to watch yeah yeah the verse that always comes to mind is is to live as christ to die as gain you know the people that mm. can can hold on to both of those things seem seem to do it so much better than um than if we're it, again to go back to the the prayer of confession if we're holding on to cl- with clenched fists to every last shred that we can yeah so uh, i mean honesty about our gifts honesty about our stage of life honesty about uh, about about our resources and ab- what we can reasonably provide to someone and again to keep coming back you know that's individually and corporately as a church to know like i i can't do this with you on a personal level like i don't have the bandwidth i don't have the time to do it well and i love you and i want i want this to be well with you and so even if that means i'm not the person to do it with you and that includes honesty before christ and honesty Mm -hmm. as to who is god and who is not yeah and we get that wrong and so i i think this passage of paul reminds us to to that Christ is the head. We are parts of that body, but let's not forget that, that we are a part, an essential part, just as each of the other parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need one another. And so it, it once again paints a picture of a church that is somehow phenomenally generous, phenomenally aware of its limits, and yet phenomenally powerful at the same time because it knows it's not alone. Mm-hmm. That's a great, great vision for the church. I mean, that is, and my prayer for the church, and my prayer for myself and my family, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's Heavy probably... thoughts for Vacation Bible School Week. Well, and probably a good way to, to end the week and a, and a good way to end this podcast is just reminding ourselves of uh, uh, when we get down on ourselves and uh, and we see in that mirror darkly, to look up at the light of Christ and to mm-hmm. really be, to be enamored and to be captivated by the glory of God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we will wrap up right there. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. I hope that you have found a vision of yourself and of, of Christ and of Christ church that, that inspires you to, to minister and inspires you um, to take whatever the next step is in your own discipleship. So if you have found this episode helpful, do us a favor. Would you leave a rating and a review and share it so that others can discover it more easily? Um, I've said it a number of times that, that the ratings and reviews really move the, the algorithm in, in podcasts. So if someone's ser- searching for something, we are more likely to show up um, if we have been reviewed. Also, click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. That way, anytime there is a new episode, for example, we are recording this on a Thursday, which is not typical for us, um, but maybe uh, the typical atypical in the middle of summer, if that makes sense, um, then you're able to get this anytime that the podcasts are, re- are uh, released. We really appreciate it. But until next time, I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And we hope that this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday.